Hello and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable freeform discussion about lore and our favorite video games. I'm your host, Joe Perez, one of several lore-focused folks from Blizzard Watch, and I've got my stupendous co-host with me today, Matt Rossi, who is going to help me ring in the new year with our last episode of 2023 with a round of questions from you, our wonderful listeners. Uh, if you have questions for this or any of our podcasts, be sure to send those in to podcast at blizzardwatch.com. If you are a Patreon supporter, you can head over to our Discord server and you can toss those into our patron queue and podcast questions channel, where we tend to look first as a way of saying thank you for helping us keep the lights on. Uh, and if you don't want to send us an email and you're not a Patreon supporter, you can still send us a contact on Discord and our queue and podcast questions channel in which we will look for your questions. Just make sure you specify what show it's for and if there's a special pronunciation of your name. All right. Well, let's start out with this first question from Skafir. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly because they didn't give me a phonetic spelling, but there it is. And this one is a Diablo 4 question. And I thought it would be interesting to start with this one because Matt may or may not like Diablo. I don't know if you've heard about that. Uh, We'll find out. (laughs) Do you think Sister Octavia is still possessed? Yes. (laughs) <laughs> after you sorry exorc- go ahead and go ahead and do the whole yeah, question let's yes. the- after you exercise the demon and talk to her outside she speaks oddly to you she hesitates before saying warmth has returned her as though she's describing something she can't feel she also talks about making the church more accepting of their faithful's ways just in general more aggressive in the way she talks she then gives you her prayer book a- as the quest reward as though she doesn't need it anymore the description of the book states it is well-loved with important personal passages underlined, not something you generally give away as a priest. Well, maybe uh, it's also strangely cold to the touch thoughts. And I'm going to let Matt go. Cause I think he has opinions on this one. First off. I mean, it's unfortunately the case, but it's true that if you are familiar enough with something, often your decisions on that thing are not based on what's in the text but not even what's the subtext, but the casing of the text, the uh, meta text, if you will. This is a Diablo game. Mm-hmm. Yes, she's still possessed. You don't get happy endings in Diablo games. Can you think of a character who gets possessed by anything in Diablo that has a happy ending? Nope, not a single thing. It has never happened. So, yeah. I don't know if she's still possessed by that demon. We may have killed that demon, but in the process of her going through possession, she's broken now. She is cracked right down the middle. Even if there's no actual demon living in her, and it certainly could still be living in her, but even if it's not, she's gone. The person you knew is gone. The person who believed in the light is gone. Like she doesn't need the prayer book anymore because she's not going to be doing any more exorcisms because she isn't going to trust or believe in the light. Now imagine that's just before, like she was this, this person who believed in the light and used it to help others. And what happened to her? She got possessed by a demon. Mm -hmm. You think that that's, and then the demon could stay in her, even though she believed and she had faith and she trusted in, in Onarius and the light. And then on top of that, once, once you get her out of that whole situation and she's wandering around trying to figure out if she'll ever be able to reconnect with the light again, Inarius dies, <laughs> which is like, if you were working at this, the church of St. Anselm and like you walk there and one day you see St. Anselm nailed to the front door. I mean, it's like, yeah, 
there's a lot of potential for you know faith not not doing well after these situations so even if she is not possessed and i i'll give you a, like a solid 50 percent chance she still is she's she's broken she's done there is there is no more of the person that was helping these people um who she'll be after if she's not possessed she might become somebody who helps in a different way or she might just crack and and who knows um I believe when we did the big Diablo th- for uh, lore talk, both Joe and, and Liz made a lot of points about blood and blood magic and how even the, the church of Inarius, uh, what, what's the actual name of it? I think it's, it's not the, the church of Inarius. I think it's the church of the light. Uh, church. It, it's got a specific name that I can't recall off the top of my head, but that church is using blood magic a lot. Mm-hmm. They use a lot of blood magic. Um, for all we know, sister, you know, um, sister Octavia could go around like cutting people's throats and trying to get, you know, contact the, the, the light through it. Who, you know, who knows? Um, and again, that's only if she isn't possessed and it, we thought we killed that guy already once, you know, like that's the whole deal. The reason he got into her was cause we thought we killed him and he instead got into her. He could have gone back in or, you know, when we kill him, he goes, you know, it's potential. He went back to, you know, the burning hells, but you know, maybe something else is in her, you know, now that she's cracked open, maybe something else went in. Maybe a part of him was still in there. Who knows? I don't know. It's demons. They do all sorts of weird stuff. Um, regardless though, I, I think because it is a Diablo game, I was actually surprised she was still alive at the end of the quest to be completely honest with you. Yeah. Like that was a surprising to me as well. I 100% fully expected her to not make it out of there. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a Diablo game. The only reason that you would possibly get out of there is if things were going to get much, much worse and, later down the road. And even if, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but even the first time you see her and you help her with the exorcism before she's possessed herself, the person you, and I'm air quoting here, save also isn't acting perfectly normal when they get back up. That kid is definitely like, I think the parents make a comment on it, like, you know, that it'll get better. They're trying to tell themselves it'll get better, but you know, he's basically been possessed for an extended period of time. And like, you made a good point when you, anything happens to you in Diablo, whether it's possession or, you know, uh, being tainted by a certain magic or, uh, maybe ingesting blood petals, who knows it leaves you irreparably changed. And that's sort of a theme, especially in Diablo four. Yeah. It's basically the idea. It's the concept of trauma. The game is basically about like massive PTSD because the world has gone through traumas that, that are incomprehensible to us. I keep, when I, when I talk about Diablo four, one of the things I keep referencing is the black death. Mm-hmm. Um, the black death killed like it, up to half of all people alive at the time, like in Europe and Asia, like about half of the people alive died more than that in Europe than in Asia. And compare that to what, what happens after Malthiel in Diablo in the, at the end of Diablo three, Malthiel kills 90% of humanity, 90%. Yeah. He literally, it's like when, when you hear the phrase decimate, we think of decimating something as a tremendously horrible thing, but that's only 10%. That's one out yeah, of 10. Yeah, one in high. 10. That's what decimate actually means. This he he anti decimated. He reverse decimated. He killed nine tenths. If there were ten people in a square at the end of that, you know, all that stuff happened. One person was looking around, going, "Where'd everybody else go?" And that that was worldwide. That was everywhere on sanctuary. It didn't matter 
where you were, who you were, or what you were doing. Um, and it's not, we'd already seen, like, you've, if you've played Diablo 3, you saw that the world wasn't exactly in great shape anyway. But, you know, imagine going from a population of, let's estimate there were, like, let's, let's estimate that there were a billion people on Sanctuary. I have, this is just me pulling that number out of my butt. But let's say there were a billion people on Sanctuary. After Malthiel, there were a hundred, there was like 100 million people on Sanctuary. Mm-hmm. 100 million is a lot of people, but it's nine tenths less people than they had. And keep in mind that Sanctuary is large. It's Mal- at least. Malthiel, Malthiel did more to call life than Thanos did. Yeah. Thanos, Thanos took half of the universe considering sanctuary is the, as far as you know, the only world inside of its universe, Malthiel took nine tenths of it. Yep. So yeah, that's a kind of thing that there- even if you survive it, even if your, your nation survives it, you going forward, the world has changed. And that's the, the macrocosm of what stuff like the demon possession that hits Octavia or the, the, the boy Joe mentioned, I can't remember the guy's kid's name, but you know, these things are in they're like the objective correlative of that. They're, they're saying, look, here, this is so vast. This is so huge that it's very hard for you to comprehend. So here's a metaphor. And, and here she is. Here's Sister Octavia. After you, get, you go through that experience, even if you're not still in it, it's like you are. It, it, you, one of the things about trauma is it changes the way you react to things. You tend to carry it. Yeah. It's, well, here's one example from my own life. Uh, up until like last year, I was incapable. Um, actually, no, at this point it was 2019. I was incapable of going out in public without my head being on a swivel. I just constantly aware of where everybody was and how close to me they were getting. And that like what general, like how, how threatening are, is this person? You know, you, and that's because of stuff that happened when I was a kid. And I'm not going to sit here and bore you with it, but that's just how it works. It changes your brain. It changes the way you think. And I managed to finally get over it just in time for COVID. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals. You can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
<laughs> which was like, okay, I don't have to do that anymore. Then on COVID, uh, is that person getting close to me? Are they wearing a mask? Are they going to get me sick? Do I need to get away from them? So traumatic experiences in life affect the way you live your life. And sanctuary is nothing but tragic experiences. So, And I think there's also a level of marking for it as well, too, if I remember correctly. Because once you've been possessed by a demon, you're borderline a beacon for more. Even if you get rid of the one, like they're like, oh, look, this vessel was used before. Maybe another one will try to take up its place or get, in, get its way into uh, Octavia again. We've also seen that once your psyche has touched that... Yeah, going through with what Matt's saying with the whole uh, the trauma aspect of it, like going further with it, you're and reliving those experiences. You're also probably more susceptible to uh, the whispers. Look at the the quest line that we did with Andariel being resummoned back into the into the world. That wasn't mm-hmm. even a full possession. And what was happening to that character? Yeah, she could hear the whispers continuously. They had Non-stop. to actually there take was... her inside. Yeah, they had to take her inside of a holy place just to block them out to a degree. And she could still hear them in there. Yeah. They were just muffled. Yeah. Like, that's insane. I would say insane, but I mean, it's, it's consistent with what we know of uh, the Diablo universe. So, again, maybe she's not possessed. Maybe Sister Octavia is not currently possessed, but she is marked. She is marred. She has changed. She is. irreparably damaged in a way that us as the player character cannot fully fathom, which is also ironic because we are in that same boat, right? Yeah. But it's different because of the way that it's driving us versus the way it's driving her. Um, Some people break and some people, they don't break, but they, they channel everything into something like, um, it's really interesting. And again, I'm not a psychiatrist or a psychologist, and I'm not trying to do that. I'm, this is as a narrative thing. It's interesting to watch the way the player reacts, because when you start off, you are a, a relatively normal person, you know, just trying to get through the mountains uh, and your horse gets killed and you're like, ah, now you're certainly capable, but, you know, whatever class you're playing, you're, you weren't some kind of world changing hero. You were just a person trying to get through the mountains. That's that's who you were, no matter what you're playing. And after what they what happens after your attempt to, to save the village, and then it turns out the village is actually already gone, and they've force fed you those petals, and you're having visions of of Lilith and her actions. I think you you start to mirror Lilith in a way that I don't know that anyone's talked about when they're talking about the game, the main character, the character you're playing is determined in a way they weren't before. Like Lilith is. Yeah. You have like a stout resolution almost like at that moment. Right. Yeah. Nothing, nothing phases this person anymore. You'll, you'll, you'll notice it over and over again. This character, like when, when they put through stuff that a normal person would be like, ah, even like, you know, even the things that, that give Lorath pause, they don't give you pause anymore. The part of you that is, I don't want to say infected, but I don't know what word to use. Alter changed. Like, yeah. The part of you that is, that is in contact with Lilith understands Lilith, feels Lilith, feels the way Lilith feels, not about the same things, but like Lilith will do anything for her plan and you'll do anything to get to the confrontation with her. 
it's a weird sympathetic, I don't want to call it weird, but it is a sympathetic bond almost. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Where, where like there's this, there's, I forgot what the, the term of it for, but it's like a, almost like a, a resonance between it. And you can only listen or interact with something so long before that sympathetic bond really does what, if you ever heard somebody say, be empathetic to somebody, walk a mile in their shoes. This is that to the nth degree because you are literally doing that. You are literally doing it. Yeah. Experiencing Lilith's life from Lilith's perspective. And and not only that, but like, that's sort of a theme in the Diablo game as well. As you're following after her, trying to catch up to her, you're reliving the events that she partook in. When you're touching the blood petals, you're seeing what happened, but you're not just seeing it. You're experiencing it. You're, you're doing something more than just hearing about it. Uh, Yeah. And you feel it keenly and deeply, and it's it's very fascinating because it is every being in the Diablo 4 universe goes through this to some degree. It just tends to get amplified when they've been that close to a demon. Think of even mm-hmm. the ones that don't get possessed by demons, the ones that just survive. Uh, and, and it's not just demons here either. Angels as well. Um, well, I want to point out when you go to the place where Anarius is hiding out and there's that guy in there and you, so you're like, he's, you know, did he tell you this? And you say, he doesn't have to tell me anything. He's, I feel him. Yeah. It's like, Anarius is literally radiating into the universe, like the holy light, blah, blah, but he's radiating it out. Like we, we, we don't really stop and think about the idea that in the Diablo setting, the, the power of holiness is just as alien and terrible as the power of, of, of hell. It's just, we are, we are made. They're out literally of both. cut from the same cloth. Yeah. Yeah. We're made out of both. And that means that we have them both in us. And that means if we're hit by too much of one or the other, it can kick our balance out of whack. Mm-hmm. Like look at, uh, for all things, I know that a lot of people didn't like the story of season one and I get why. Cause in some ways it wasn't, it wasn't very easily accessed. But one of the things I liked when I was playing it and thinking about it was that what's happening with the malignancy is that people's bodies are erupting into, into corruption because they are being exposed to literal demon, demonic taint without the, you know, it, they've already got some inside them. And that's the point someone made. We, you know, it's, it's reaching out to what we were already carrying. And that's the same with like the light, um, the, the light of, of people like the angels, like Anarius or even like Tyrael. Like it's telling to me that Tyrael couldn't achieve his goals on Sanctuary until he became mortal, until he was no longer just emitting that radiant holiness everywhere he went. In a way, it was it was counterproductive to his goals because it was too much. People couldn't deal with it. You look at what happens to people in Diablo three when the angels start attacking um, Westmarch. They people are exploding and turning into monstrosities from the light. It's from the Malthiel. It's not from a demon. There's nothing evil. Like there's nothing hellish about it. It's but it's so far beyond us by itself. These things when they are when they're isolated, when they're alone, they're too much for us. And I think that's another big part of what we're talking about with Sister Octavia. Going through this experience, it shows you. Oh no, 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 no. There's much worse than anything men can do out there. There's this. And you've now been in it. You've swum it. You've gone swimming in it. It's gone swimming in you. And there's, there is no way to come out of that and just be the way you were, you know? And I think that that's, 
a big part of the story. So yeah, even if she's not possessed, possessed, she's possessed. She's possessed in the way, actually, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to change it slightly. She isn't possessed. She's obsessed and she's obsessed in the classical way where an outside force came into her. And now it's not there necessarily, but the space that it made when, when Joe was talking and he talked about how once you've been possessed, uh, it's other forces are, are attracted to you because you're, you know, you're marked. That's, that's another way to put it. Uh, a different way to look at it would be that you've literally been shaped mm-hmm. and now you're like a vessel. Like when, when you, when you take a clay, you find a clay jar somewhere, it's mu- you're much more likely to try and use it to carry something. It's a jar. That's what it's for. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely think that that's an element of sanctuary that that's sister Octavia's story is all about going through that. It's, it's all about enduring that. It's a microcosm of the larger story at, at, at play, I think, which is kind of how it all works out. But I think that might answer that question in full. I don't know if there's anything else really to add. Can you think of anything, Matt? I mean, we we both know the answer is yeah, I could, but you know, there's no there's no reason to. At this point, I'm just going off on tangents. <laughs> All right then. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, "What the f- are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass." So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Our next question comes from our good friend, Unlimited Black, otherwise known as Crow. Good friend uh, to all of us here. Uh, The World Soul Saga is being compared to the Marvel Cinematic Universe's Infinity Saga as a large story told across multiple expansions, drawing threads from across the length and breadth of the Warcraft franchise to bring them all together in a climactic conclusion. Does this feel like it's setting up the end of the present Warcraft narrative and clearing the decks for something new? Corollary. Uh, Final Fantasy XIV's 2022 expansion, Endwalker, was billed as the conclusion of the major narrative that started with the reboot of the game in 2013, which similarly raised questions about what new narrative would follow after it. And those questions remain why Final Fantasy XIV community waits for next year's release of the next expansion, Dawn Trail, which has the feel of a jumping on point that doesn't rely on the earlier overarching story. Could something similar take place when the World Soul Saga concludes? What do you think, Matt? Could it? Sure. Yes, absolutely. It could. Um, But to be fair, it could have happened at any expansion. Some people will tell you that that Dragon uh, Flight has been that expansion, that it's a good on road where you don't have to know all this stuff. You can just go to the Dragon Isles and anything you don't understand will basically be given to you in a quest anyway. But 
I don't think that it really does what you're talking about because it doesn't sweep the decks. And I'm going to tell you right now, I don't think that that's the approach that the people developing World of Warcraft want. I don't think they want to sweep the decks. I don't think they want to have this kind of chunk. Because unlike the Marvel Cinematic Universe had one major reason it had to do that. The people in it were getting older. Mm -hmm. And many of them didn't want to do it anymore. Um, This is the problem with live action films. There's a limited amount of time that you can get the same person to show up and do the same thing before either they don't want to, or it's not suitable. Robert Downey Jr. is getting towards 60. Uh, You know, he might, he might be okay with playing Tony Stark for the rest of his life. As he once pointed out, it wasn't really like he was actually bothering to act. He was just being Robert Downey Jr. at everybody. Um, Then you go watch him in, Oppenheimer and you're like, Oh, right. This guy played Chaplin in a movie that almost that got Oscar awards, right? He actually is a really good actor. He's not just a super charismatic guy. He can be other people. That's the problem with live action. It's not a problem as much in video games. If, if they want to keep bringing thrall back forever, they can do it as, mm-hmm. as long as they can get Chris Metz to voice him or somebody even, who sounds similar to him. Yeah. In, in point of fact, they could recast it, which they, they have recast done. It. They've, yeah. they've recast people in the past. Yep, absolutely. Uh, Varian Rin was originally played by the same actor as Duke Nukem, but we both know Chris Metzen played him for some of those times. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they've done that with other things. Uh, look at Varrock Sorfang, who had a generic voice actor for a very long time, and then they got an actual voice actor for him. Uh, Cadgar's voice actor changed. Quite, you know, it, it happens. But that's a that's a thing that they can do in, in video games. What Final Fantasy did is actually really fascinating because it shows you a different approach and it's, it's always been the approach of the FF uh, series, especially in their MMO existence. Cause people keep kind of forgetting the current final fantasy MMO is only is the second one. It's also not the original one, that version that released, which we just talked about yeah. the yeah. original. It's not even the original version of 14, but there was yeah. final fantasy 11 before that. Yeah. And I, as far as I know, I don't know if 11 is still being developed. I, I don't think it's being developed, but I know it's still played. Yeah, it's still people still play it. Um, both eleven and fourteen, as Final Fantasy games, they already had the precedent of the Final Fantasy series. And if you've played a Final Fantasy game, you know that whilst the main characters often change, there's often background characters who aren't the same character, but they have the same name and they perform the same role. Like Sid. Sid, Sid is, is a real good example. Yep, 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 yep. And even though that he, this Sid is not that Sid. Yet they're always Sid. They always have a certain aspect of, they're kind of like, like universal constants. I don't know what, you know, like if you're into Michael Moorcock, I could talk about the eternal champion for a while, but that, that would take a while. And it's, it's not necessary for the understanding of the way final fantasy approaches it. Final fantasy approaches each of its games. Like they are kind of like a, I don't want to say fairy tale, but almost like that kind of dreamlike existence where it, there are touches of the previous games, but they're not c- continuity. They don't, it's not, this story is not a sequel to this story unless we go out of our way to tell you it is Mm -hmm. like, sure. Final fantasy 11 was not a sequel to final fantasy 10 and neither was final fantasy 12, but final fantasy 10 two is a sequel to final fantasy 10. You can tell because we put a two on there. So it's, it's in the final fantasy 10 universe. It's a, it's a direct continuation of that story. And as a result, in a way, it's easier for the Final Fantasy MMOs to sweep the decks because if they wanted to, they could sweep them completely. 
and they could keep going and people would accept it. It's built into the Final Fantasy, for, for lack of a better word, continuum. It's been, it's yeah, it's been that way it. since it's been that way since the beginning. It's why like Final Fantasy three in the United States is actually Final Fantasy six. But we didn't know that because it yeah. didn't matter. They could number them as uh, in the world however they wanted to because there was no carryover between them. It was just aside yeah. from these characters, like Matt's pointed out, that were named uh, similarly or named the same and had similar traits. They're completely different stories with completely different main characters. Yeah. Oftentimes with the Final Fantasy series, it, it's, it fits to think of the, each game that comes out as a new mold that they pour the same metal into. Mm, yeah. And sure, it's it, they're all made out of fantasy, but they're not all the same in any real way. This, this one, this is a cup. This one's an axe. I mean, so World of Warcraft does not have that. Uh, Warcraft has, from the beginning... It's had pretty massive retcons, but those retcons were always considered to be part of it. Like it's that's just stuff you didn't know yet. Like oh, Kalimdor, yeah, you didn't know about Kalimdor yet, but yeah, Kalimdor's been there. It was there the whole time. Um, that does mean you have to kind of approach it differently. I so I don't think that the the Marvel Cinematic Universe is the right way to look at it, but I also think that in a way, Final Fantasy's approach is so distinct. That I don't think it's, and I, when I, I, I don't want to make it sound like I'm saying Final Fantasy's approach is inferior. If anything, I find Final Fantasy and the way it approaches fiction and metafiction to be absolutely fascinating. Mm-hmm. I think this is one of the most interesting things about Final Fantasy as a series and as an MMO is how it can change. Like World of Warcraft, if it had gotten off to the bad start that Final Fantasy 14 did, could not have just changed everything like that. No, it would have at the time. It, at the time it was done, it yeah. was like don't forget, like when Warcraft started, uh, World of Warcraft, they didn't expect it to last longer than a year, two years at the most, and then they were very surprised with the popularity of it because MMOs, if you weren't EverQuest, it was real hard to be popular. Um, and had it done as poorly on its launch as or as poorly as Final Fantasy fourteen did, that's right, it would not have had the chance to pivot or or switch itself up. Or even if it was able to, which I don't even think it would have been able to, because there's Final Fantasy 14. If you look, if you told somebody who was playing it when it came out what it was going to be like now, they would then they would be giving you a look like, "What are you talking about?" Whereas if you told an old school WoW player who played WoW for a year and then stopped, and they're like, "So what's going on?" You could be like, "Oh well, remember Alexstrasza and the dragons? Yeah, they uh, got back to their magical dragon isles. Oh, I thought they were going to do a dragon isles expansion. Yeah, well, they finally got around to it." Like the 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 tethers are all still there, um, even when even with something like Shadowlands, um, where which you know Shadowlands is pretty hard to get your head around. But if an old school Wrath of the Lich King player used like, remember that quest where you go in and get a horse? Yeah, we went to that actual place, and it turns out there's a lot more than just horses there. Like, oh okay, and that's something Final Fantasy deliberately issues, and so it's it is a fascinating approach but I don't think it's the approach they're going to take. My, my feeling is, is this the setting up the, the end of the previous of the, of the present narrative? Yes, but it's not doing it in a way that's going to wipe it out of existence. It's doing it at a, in a way that will basically let you say, okay, we now know more about things than we did. And that means that our approach is different. Um, I think at the end of the world soul saga, the question of whether or not someday um, Azeroth is going to wake up and, and start, you know, going on a walk and we won't have a planet anymore is going to be pretty thoroughly answered. That's what I think. 
I think we're going to basically get an answer to all the unanswered questions of what's going on with the Titans and the first ones and existence. And that doesn't mean that they're going to be like, okay, there's nothing new to discover. I think it's going to be, oh, so that's what that was. So yeah, it's going to set up the end of the present narrative, but it's not going to do it by ending that narrative, if that makes sense. Uh, Joe, what do you think? Yeah, like I, I'm sort of, I'm there with you. Like I don't know that it's going to be uh, necessarily wiping out the narrative. As far as it being a new jumping on point, I do think that that's sort of a goal that Blizzard has had with every expansion they've released for Warcraft to a certain extent, with the exception of maybe Burning Crusade. Um, everything since at least Cataclysm forward has been a, about being a new jumping on point. It's a point where what happened previously does matter, but maybe not nearly as much as, as one would think. So you could show up, a new player could jump in and just focus on what's happening there and now. And there's enough references or callbacks to what happened previously that it, you know, for lack of a better term, you can still get context when like an NPC, like if you're playing Battle for Azeroth and Jaina shows up that you can understand that there's history and she's a powerful mage and you don't necessarily need to know her entire story, but there's enough context clues to give you the idea of who the character is without having to know, you know, 30 years of history. Um, with this saga, I don't know necessarily that it's going to be the infinity saga type thing. Matt's right. in that a lot of the reasons that they needed to do those wipes is because people were getting older the other thing that they do, which a lot of pe- a lot of folks don't do in video games, is they do phases. Marvel specifically from the very beginning, when they were setting up their cinematic universe, had everything divided into phases. You had all these different types of characters that were grouped into specific things uh, and then moved around to, for lack of a better term, finish comic story arcs, because that's really what what they're doing with the movies. And then they move into another phase. Like we're in the cosmic cosmic quantum multiversal phase right now. Um, when it started, we very much weren't in that phase. We were very much street level and then finishing with infinity saga was so that it could introduce the next phase. Warcraft already does that, right? Every time the new expansion releases, there's always, there's already more data, new data to, to sort of contend with. There's already new story to contend with. There's already new phases to deal with. And those are the points where people can jump on. I think that this is going to be used as an opportunity to maybe finish up some of the longstanding uh, loose ends that have been around for a while. And I think maybe allow the narrative to start to progress past certain things. Titans have always been this big, like, I don't want to call it the sort of Damocles, but they sort of hangs over the story, right? And they have since Titans were introduced or conceived into the game world, whether it was we didn't know who they were or what they wanted, which was a thing, to everything that we are is because of them, to everything that is Azeroth is because of them, to the universe is because of them, and so on and so forth. Like, it continues to, to be sort of linchpinned around them. And even with the end of Legion, when we take Sargeras and trap him in the seat of the Pantheon, it's still about the Titans. It's all about them. We move past it. The Titans are still an important part of the story. Shadowlands, we move into Shadowlands. Titans are still involved in the story of Shadowlands. You can't escape them. There's never been a finish to the Titan story. 
this is potentially an opportunity to finish that and start looking at other things that maybe we've been neglecting or haven't looked at. Matt and I have talked about all the different cosmic forces that exist in the universe of Warcraft, whether it's the light, the life, the death, the fell, uh, the void being a particular thing. All of that previously had been tied up with the Titans. If we can get past those, maybe we can start having new stories. Maybe we can start having things that don't focus on something that really has been driving us for, you know, long enough that the storyline can drink. Right. So we need to get beyond Thunderdome. We need, we do, we need to get beyond Thunderdome. Um, and that's what I think this is really trying to do, because if you look at it, like Dragonflight, I think was sort of maybe a start to that in a lot of ways, because again, the dragons are another thing that have been around forever. And while their story isn't done, it sort of ties up a bunch of the dragon loose ends. And even then it sort of pulls them away from the Titans as we knew them. Right. Yeah. It's the first time we got a perspective on the Titans aside from big cosmic good guys. Yes. And I think that's important. And I think that sets up a lot of what's to come. And I think that's maybe the main intent of the saga, not necessarily to uh, create a new jumping on point because they already try to do that with every expansion, but instead finish those storylines so that we can move forward. And that's my opinion on it at the very least. Do you have anything you want to add to that one, Matt? I mean, one of the things I think are really worth thinking about too, is it isn't just about the Titans. I think Joe, Joe, when he was talking just now gave me a, a, a new perspective on it to think about in that there's a difference between tying everything up in a nice, neat little package and changes that address and then engage the next part. Mm-hmm. The t- One of the things that we, we have in doing this expansion, uh, I don't want to give anyone any spoilers for the end of it, but the, uh, the, the dragon aspects are become aspects again, but their power isn't coming from the Titan. It's coming. Well, if it might be coming from a Titan, maybe if, if it is if, a Titan, if it is a Titan, and that's a whole other issue, which man, we, we could do like, we've done multiple shows already talking about. So, but regardless, that's the kind of thing I think we're going to see with the world souls saga. It's not going to be, uh, it's not going to be, okay. Everything's wrapped up now because mm-hmm. that's not the nature of serialized long form storytelling. It's, it's all that stuff that we saw is now over and we're now on to new stuff to, to use the infinity saga as an example. I've been reading old comic books a lot lately. I just got done reading the, the original mass Marvel masterworks for Captain Marvel, the original Captain Marvel. And so you get to see stuff like Thanos's first appearance. Uh, and amazingly enough, I don't know if people know this Thanos's first appearance was in an Iron Man comic. Yeah. So as much as, you know, they really weren't nemesis in the comics, the movies insistent on making Tony Stark of like something Thanos is aware of is based in the comics. It's textual. So it was kind of interesting right there, but also you get to see how Captain Marvel goes from a character written by Stan Lee. And I love Stan Lee. Really? I do. I think he was like a really great force in a lot of ways. Um, also he, he drove Jack Kirby literally insane. Uh, but regardless, Stan tended to write characters as like, you know, I am heroic, you know, for all that Marvel characters were supposedly the ones who had flaws and, and, and real problems. Stan awfully wrote them as like the same kind of heroes as DC had just with people trying to, you know, get them to pay them for rent and such like Spider-Man is no different than Batman in his morality. 
if anything, Spider-Man is probably the closest to Batman in his morality in terms of you don't kill people ever. No, Cap Spider- too. Well, no, yeah. actually, no, Cap, Cap, no. Will, Cap will off people. Yeah, Cap will, like, are you a vampire? Yeah, I'll try to take your head off with the shield. Are you a Nazi? <laughs> if you die, you die, man. That's Whereas both Spider-Man and Batman absolutely wouldn't kill people. But it's fascinating to watch as other writers get in and how Captain Marvel changes, how he becomes somebody else. Till by the end of it, he is extreme. He goes from a soldier who is very dedicated to his mission to Earth into a person who is literally like, I don't do war. I don't, that's not my role. I'm, I'm here to protect the universe. I'm here to guard you. And I think that that's interesting when looking at where Warcraft has gone over the past, oh God, uh, 30 years? Yep. 20 years for World of Warcraft itself next year. 2024 is the 20th anniversary, guys, <laughs> in one day. Uh, as we're recording this. So it, it it's interesting to look at the, the the concepts that Warcraft has been about. And for all the people constantly try to say stuff like, yeah, let's, we're going to put the war back in Warcraft. The war has never left Warcraft. It's just a different war now. Yeah. Like the, the, the enemy has gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. And now we're at a point where we don't even know what the enemy is. We know that there's an enemy coming to destroy all existence, but we don't know what it is. And a lot of the next few expansions is about finding out what we're up against. In a lot of ways, it's a very much like the original world of Warcraft where we moved beyond, you know, just orcs and humans fighting all the time to what happened after the third war, what happened after the Legion showed itself, what happened after the scourge. And you get to see all the, all the stuff from, from vanilla. Wow. All the way up to cataclysm. You get to see all these figures that were so in, so important to Warcraft 3, essentially, I won't say get dealt with, but you get touched upon. You get to see what happened after. Mm-hmm. And that led us to Cataclysm, where somebody who hadn't been around since Warcraft 2 suddenly shows up. And you're like, oh, right, we'd forgotten about that. And then suddenly, the next couple of expansions, Mists of Pandaria, uh, Warlords of Draenor, they're setting up Legion. And Legion sets up Battle for Azeroth, which sets up Shadowlands, which has us now at the place we are in Dragonflight, where we've effectively seen how different the world is than it was when the original Warcraft game came out, how much bigger it is, how much Mm -hmm. broader it is. And that's the next three expansions are going to be all about now that you have been through all this, turn and face your actual threat. And I think that that's what we're getting here. So in a way... It's sort of, it is similar to the Infinity Saga, but in a way it's different because you knew Thanos was the problem by Avengers, you know? By the time Avengers came out, you knew Thanos was the problem and you kept seeing Thanos over and over again. We still don't actually know what's coming. We don't know, like, it, there's, we, we, we're used to thinking of the Void as our enemy and the Titans as, as like big heroes who are going to save everything, but it's quite possible by, by the end of all this, we're going to actually be making common cause with the Void. Yeah to oppose whatever is coming to destroy everything. So yeah, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot to the way this is setting things up, That that's, that's where I think I will stop. But that was definitely based on what you had said about, you know, touching upon and, and not wrapping up, but getting to see where those things are now. Indeed. Hopefully that answers your uh, question. Our friend. Planning for your next trip. Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway. Like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I think we have time for one more. Uh, and I'm going to go to our friend Octomos on this one because I think it... I, I know some people are going to feel very strongly about the topic in question, uh, but given that Madan is the Schrodinger's cat of the WoW universe, I would assume it's extremely unlikely we would ever see him in game. That being said, with all of the major characters surrounding him still having canonically had that adventure in the comic with Cthune and Cho'Gall, what's your headcanon retcon for how all went down? Does Madan exist, but just as a conduit instead of a guardian? Does he die? Just curious how you would try and tidy up that messy bit of lore. Medan is a hot topic. Let's be honest. People feel very strongly about well, that. Well, he's not a program. hot topic because the hot topic is where you go for nice you know, t-shirts and stuff. Um, <laughs> I would never go to Madan for a t-shirt. That dude doesn't even wear a shirt. Go read the comic. He's constantly shirtless. But what do you what do you think? How would you have you given it any thought with with how that universe sort of spins around him now or mm-hmm. without him? Go ahead. Oh, yeah. Uh, take a nice black pen, find every reference to his name, and just and then just assume people did what they did without him there. It reminds me a lot of like the Odyssean stuff from the Sin War yeah. trilogy, almost. It, really, it, it, it kind of does, except you know, Odyssean at least did it to himself, whereas fan reaction did it to Madon. <laughs> and it's not Madon's fault that they made him into like. Well, maybe we should give some context co- here for people who don't know who Madon is, right? Like, who, right, who right, is right, Madon? Right. Are you going to do it or am I doing it? Go for it. it. All right. Um, Madon is a character who uh, I I don't, I want to say this nicely. I don't want to be a jerk. Uh, Walter Simonson is one of the greatest comic book artists and writers of the past 50 years. Genius. Uh, His run on Thor, uh, his run on Fantastic Four, his run on Manhunter. Amazing stuff. Uh, Brilliant. I don't think he was hired to write the World of Warcraft comic book. And I don't think he cared very much mm-hmm. uh that, that's the nicest way i can put this when he got on to the story that were that would basically the events of what we're talking about he decided that and i don't know who if anyone told him to do this i don't know if like somebody at blizzard was like yeah we want to see this character so could you do this but he decided that medivh and garona half orphan had a baby together now Inherently, is this a terrible idea? No, I mean you could you could do things with it. Um, but if you've ever read fanfic, <laughs> where like two characters who don't seem to have a lot going on in the text suddenly are like desperately in love and have a child, and that child is suddenly like it's like Superman Jesus, like it can do literally everything and it's not bad at anything. That's how Madon comes off a lot of the time. And, and I do feel like it's, 
it's a case of somebody who in, in the, in their right mode is an extremely gifted and talented writer, just not delivering their a game or even their B game. They showed up with a solid C actually not even a solid C a weak C. There's a lot of stuff in Simonson's comic. That's actually really interesting. Um, characters who've since been in the game, uh, um, I want to say Fellstorm. Yeah, that was his name, right? Yeah, I think so. Mer- Meryl Fellstorm, uh, an undead who wasn't a Forsaken, who's actually been undead for thousands of years because during the War of the Ancients, he trapped a demon inside himself and has had that thing in him this whole time, struggling to keep it contained. Cool character. I was glad to see him in Legion. But the overall effect of Madan was just that there's a big problem. Okay, Madan, Goku this for us. And Madan would then go and Goku yeah. it. The interesting thing about Madan, though, too, is like there's another character he's incredibly similar to that was also created by somebody who was hired to do writing for the universe that is also fairly universally hated, uh, yet wasn't erased from existence. And I'm going to bring Ronan up here because I think yeah. Ro- Ronan- I, I can tell you why I think that Ronan wasn't erased and Madan was. But go for it. I'm actually, go- I'm actually curious about that. Why do, why do you think one was erased and the other one wasn't? Ronan isn't good at everything. Ronan F's up. Sometimes Ronin, royally. Yeah. Ronan makes mistakes. Ronan, sure, Ronan's the central character, but a lot of times the other characters have to step in and save him. His girlfriend, who became his wife, uh, Varisa Windrunner, has to save him lots. Um, he's continuously messing up. And I think that while Knack <laughs> certainly has his detractors, I think that Knack was at least engaged with the material. Like the, he, he was interested in what he was doing. It wasn't a paycheck job and only a paycheck job. Whereas I think with Simonson and the Warcraft stuff, it was definitely a, you know, punch a clock. Here's, here's your stuff. I'm leaving now. Yeah. He didn't, I can see he, that. Didn't, he didn't spend a lot of time thinking like, like I said, let, let's compare Ronan and Madan in situations like where they meet a classic villain of the Warcraft setting. When Ronan first encounters Deathwing in his form as a, as Dave Deval Prester, he is utterly outmatched. He, you know, he knows I am a bug to this this guy. I I've got, I can't do anything. He barely survives. And then when he he eventually meets him in, as Deathwing, he's got the demon soul in his hand, and that's the only reason he has a chance against Deathwing. And then he only survives because he does the unexpected thing. He doesn't try to wield the demon soul against Deathwing. Because Deathwing has very cleverly not put any of his own power into the demon soul. However, he uses one of Deathwing's own scales to rip open the demon soul, which means the power the others put into it is then returned to them. And it's them who take out Deathwing, not Ronin. But Han goes up against Chogol and slaps him around like he's nothing. Chogol! Chogol mm-hmm. is a, should be a major threat. He should not be getting beaten by Garona's kid, who... Who hasn't, like, before this story, you've never even heard of him. Yeah, okay, he's Medivh's kid and Garona's kid, so he should be potentially effective, but we never get to see him grow into it. Ronin becomes a major hero by failing, and we see him change and grow with the times, you know? Even in the War of the Ancients books, Ronin makes mistakes, but he also learns from his mistakes, and there's character progression. He's... Is he annoying at times? Absolutely. Does he do a lot of stuff in the books that just makes you go, well, nah. Yeah, but he grows and changes. And I feel like there's enough community goodwill built up on the fact that he doesn't eclipse everybody. It's not the Ronin show. 
It's Ronan and his friends, and they're only there because nobody <laughs> else could be bothered to even investigate this. Yeah. And in the end, it's still the dragons that take out Deathwing. So you know? the other thing that I think is interesting is Madan as a character is written as a comic book character, not as a Warcraft character, if that makes sense. So uh, I would argue that he's written as a bad comic book. Character. I didn't say, good, I didn't say, yeah. I didn't say it was good, but we can see like, especially comic writing in the nineties, I think is a really good example of this where essentially people were coming up with their own OCs and putting them into established comics. And some of them were good. And some of them have stuck around. I'm looking at like uh, the new mutants. I'm looking at like Thrasher and stuff like that, which were compelling characters in their own way as, and have grown into more compelling characters as the years have gone on. But then you have other characters that just never went anywhere while they were where they were. Like people remember spawn spawn is a arguably great comic, depending on how you feel about that particular writing and that particular subject matter. I would argue that it, it even if you didn't like much of it, you have I to, you have to there's, acknowledge there's it's successful. Original, there's original, storylines that i did actually like i feel like spawn however, has achieved it at times however people often forget that spawn didn't start as spawn spawn started as a character in the marvel universe called Nightwatch, who was ridiculously overpowered uh and i say that in a world of marvel where at the time you had people like dark hawk and a bunch of others coming onto the scene that just had almost infinite reserves of power and even by their standards uh, he was exceptionally powerful. That character proved to be exceedingly unpopular because it didn't fit the tone with the way that the rest of the universe goes. Medan sort of fits into that as well, I think. Whereas Ronan, well, yeah, I think that this this is a way to put it that I that I think works with what you're saying. Medan isn't. It's not that his writing of his characterization is particularly comic booky. It's that he literally strides in like a comic book character. Yes. Like whereas, like you know, most Warcraft characters. It's much more, it's a grittier setting. Yes. Not, it's, it's feel weird to say that. We just talked about Diablo, but still in the Warcraft universe, people die, things get blown up, bad stuff happens. And Madan just shows up and there's never any consequences for him. Yeah. And he does things like the fact that he can re- interweave the powers of shamanism, arcane magic, divine power as well. Like, which is something that in Warcraft, we have established that while people can sort of see and interact with that energy, since it all sort of pulls from similar backgrounds, you generally specialize in one thing and get very, very good at it. Even the most powerful beings in the Warcraft universe and the Warcraft mythology are specialized. Thrall is a shaman. He is a very mm-hmm. powerful shaman. Jaina yeah, is probably one of the most, yeah. Jaina is probably the most powerful mage that is currently alive. Um, I mean, aside, you know, with aside from Azara villains. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I'm talking about like everyday main characters that we interact with constantly, mm-hmm. right? Um, Anduin with his control, or I shouldn't say control, his connection to the light. Like all of these characters, we can all point back to something that they specialize in and they can know it. Madan was one of those characters that was written in a way that had just mastery over everything. It didn't matter what it, it instantaneously. was. Instantaneously. Yeah. Like the second he showed up, he was the best there was at everything. And it's like, go think of Avatar. Where the avatar can connect to all the bending arts. Is is Aang great at everything the moment you meet him? No. He's actively terrible at pretty much everything but airbending. He has to be trained. He has to learn. He has to change and grow. Um, Korra. Korra's really good at waterbending. She's good at punching people. 
Is she good at like understanding how to get people to follow her? No. Is she good at airbending? She's so bad at airbending that her mentors children routinely surpass her. Like you can have a powerful character. You can even have one that's so powerful that you're a little confused as to why they're hanging out with these people. One really good example is like when Superman and Batman are teamed up, you're like, uh, if they go to Gotham city, what does Superman do? Like, why isn't all crime in Gotham city handled in five minutes, Mm -hmm. but a good writer can make, have ways for this to work. And we've seen that one of my favorite comics right now is, is Batman Superman world's finest. It's really great. Um, but, if the character just shows up and immediately solves everybody, everybody's problems and there's no consequences to them. Yeah. That's a problem. Yeah. You're like, what, you know, what, what is, and that's, I think that's the Madonna problem. It takes the stakes away. Cause even with Ronan, there's stakes, right? Yeah. Ronan is dead right now. Yeah. (laughs) It was possible always for Ronan to die. Whereas Madan, him being removed from the story and having all those adventures that canonically happen, it's really easy to remove him from those adventures because these are adventures that these characters were having before he existed and have had after he existed. Let's go back to the Shadowlands. Look at the adventure that the NPCs went on with us having to go save them. Look at all the, the everything that happened. Trauma aside, which we know is a thing that Anduin's still dealing with and a bunch of them. Bane is, is still feeling the effects of it. Um, we went on that adventure and had a high powered adventure without him. We didn't need him. Everything that he participated in didn't need him. It wasn't defined because of him. Yeah. And if anything, all he did was serve to deflect any sort of tension or storytelling stakes. Yes. Whereas if you have the same stuff happen, but everybody else who's there has to step up and do their part. Now there's stakes. You know, instead of like having like one guy become the, the guardian of tears fall, you instead have everybody there do I'll do my bit. And, you know, and then things get done. Okay. So like, you know how there's a, that comic strip that's out there, which is Garfield, but without Garfield. And it's basically just John sort of talking to himself where somebody has gone through and just taken actual Garfield comic strips from the newspaper and have just removed Garfield from it. You could, and that makes that very creepy and very weird because that is a very central story point. If you were to go back to the Warcraft comics and just remove Medan and the conversations Medan had and kept everybody else, even if they were just by themselves, it wouldn't change a dang thing. <laughs> like it doesn't make it any creepier. All it does is add stakes back into it because there's no safety net. There's no universal reset button. There's no all seeing, all powerful godlike being that can just be like, I like this person. I'm not letting them die or this needs to happen. I know it needs to happen. Therefore I'm going to make it happen. Like, yeah, you, you, you lose that sort of catch all. You put the stakes back in. And if anything, I think headcanon wise, it makes those adventures better without him being involved in them because of that, because there's real tension and consequence potential. Yeah. And the worst part for all of this is that it would have been very easy to let Madon exist and actually not have had this problem. If they didn't, you know, let's, let's assume for a moment, we, we, we'd still call him Madon maybe, but he's not the child of Medivh and Garona. He's just Garona's kid. Yeah. And she never tells you anything about his father. Just shows up one day. Yeah. And he doesn't have all this mystical power. He's just an orc or a part orc. I, you know, and you know, you could just have him be there as a character who maybe he's learning some stuff from his mom. Maybe he wants to go a completely different way and forge his own path. And that's fine. He doesn't, 
show up and magically fix everything, but maybe he shows up and because he's not obsessed with Chogol like his mom, he can say, look, Chogol is not actually the issue here. Mm -hmm. uh, the mm -hmm. problem is these old God things. Why don't we just cut him off from them? If he can't reach them, then he can't do anything. And suddenly he's had an impact on the story, but he isn't like Goku-ing it. And, and you know, I say this, I'm, it's not like I hate Goku. Quite frankly, I like watching Dragon Ball Z for the big stupid fights, but that's what Dragon Ball Z is. Big stupid fights. Yeah, it knows what Ridiculous. it is. Yeah, it knows what it is. It sits in it. That's not what, what World of Warcraft or the Warcraft setting is. And I think that's one of the reasons that, like you talked before about why, you know, a lot of people don't like Ronin, but nobody wanted Ronin to be wiped out of existence. I mean, yeah, like maybe he, a few people did, but most people were like fine with him being around. It was just, you know, his impact, his impact wasn't world or narrative warping. Like it had impact, but it wasn't such a gra gravatic pull that it, it ruined anything around him. Like, yes, there are some things that people will find annoying. I personally never cared for the character, but I never wanted him to go away. Like I'm in that camp where it's like the things that happened as a result of his choices did add complexity and added ripples to the story that are felt later. You can go back and look at the interaction between Sylvanas and her sisters and Ronan's relationship and his life and his death affected that. Yeah. And they affected it in a way that is positive to the narrative, even if it's not particularly positive to her life. Yeah. It gives you, it gives you ground. It's, it's actually interesting. If you read war crimes, one of the things that's fascinating about the Sylvanas Verisa stuff is Having gone through losing her husband, Verisic is now more able to empathize with Sylvanas. Yes. And and because of that, Sylvanas is more capable of allowing herself to feel to not just not just be a brace. Like, the thing is like when they first get together and she's sneering at Verisa a little bit, and Verisa just says, you know, Vronin's dead and this all happened. And you can see like Sylvanas, it's almost like she just stops and goes, They're there. They're there. Like it's an awkward and ridiculous gesture, but it's her attempting to make it is important. Yeah. You know, and that's something that Madan does not bring to anything. Well, it, Redon, uh, Madan doesn't cause ripples. No. When you see, when you see Corona in the game, I, you know, her, her, every time you see her, you see her in Cataclysm, she doesn't even mention him. And they, there's never any presence of him in the games to, affect anything in the first place it's only in the comic that's why it doesn't have any lore impact because they they realized there's no reason to bring this into the game he doesn't add anything there's, no, there's nothing good about this character not that he's bad that he isn't good there's a difference he's not the thing is if he were a really bad character that would be something he's tapioca minus the tapioca he's he's milk toast yeah He's like if you if you want, wanted to get yourself tapioca flavored pudding, but that didn't have any of the consistency of tapioca, mm -hmm. and then you were like, eh, but I don't really tapioca is kind of a strong flavor. Why don't we just like flavor it gray? Like gray is a color. You can't flavor. Well, it's too late. It's out, and you're like, wow, this sure is a massive cold gelatin. <laughs> like I'm sorry, I feel like I'm being mean here, and I don't mean to. No, mean I mean, but it's 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 not that we're being mean. It's just that, and again, I don't want to uh, diminish like people who enjoy the comics. Cause I know there are some people that did and there are people who do enjoy that character, but it's just the impact wasn't there because again, going back to it at the root, there There's were no, no stakes. stakes. Yeah. Right. Medan's not going to lose. Medan's not going to like have a setback. There's not going to be any point where Medan 
can't solve this and other people have to come in and help. It's just everybody gives Madan part of their cosmic power and he goes forth and he silver surfers his way through it. And the silver surfer had a lot of angst about things, which was at least that was his Achilles heel. It was how angsty he was. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Madan doesn't even have that. He's not even like upset about things. He's just kind of there. So, yeah. That's, yeah. that's me. I feel like I'm done on the subject because at this point I, I feel like I'm beating up on him. No, and I, and I think I think that's a good place for us to break. It's just that there weren't there weren't enough consequences to make the character's impact felt, and therefore I don't even think we need to justify a headcanon way that he didn't exist because, again, just removing him, those adventures still happen and in fact become better because there are consequences now because he wasn't there. Uh, but I think that's going to do us for today. Friends, Blizzard Watch is made possible due to your generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. Your continued support means that this podcast signing community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, better chance of having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Uh, if you have questions for this podcast or any of our pro- podcasts, be sure to send those into podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Specify the show that it is for and any special pronunciation of your name. If you want to hit us up on Discord, we have two channels set aside, one for everyone, which is our Q and podcast questions channel. Uh, everybody's allowed to post there, and we do look there rather frequently. Uh, and if you are a Patreon subscriber, again, as a way of saying thank you for your continued support, we have a Patreon Q and podcast questions channel set aside specifically for you, where we talk to look first and give you first billing. But with that, folks, we'll see you next week and Happy New Year. <laughs>